It is time now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program is sponsored by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By these flower and garden shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you, Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Also, sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need, right there on Route 15 in Wolcott. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Peter is here to take your phone calls, your successes, your questions about gardening, 802-244-1777. And here's the host of our program, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Can you hear me okay? Mm, Do you want me to change? I think we're in the same microphone problem here. Okay. Just, just just bring that one over. See if that works better. Okay. Does this one work a little bit better? It works much better. Much better. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, folks. Thanks for your patience. Uh, but I just want to say a big thank you to all the people that I saw yesterday in Montpelier who were wearing their masks. I thought that was pretty neat. I. You know, it's just uh, I don't get into town much, and I drove through town, and I was picking up dinner at the the pizza shop, and um, you know, it was uh, you realize that they're wearing those masks for me, and I'm wearing my mask for them, and I just have to say thanks to each and every one of you that I thought that was a, a noble and kind gesture, and I appreciate it very much. So when you made the annual trip into town, <laughs> did you stop at the bank? I'm just wondering. I'm always wondering what's going to happen if what I walk bank? in with my mask. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Oh, okay. Well, of course, it's not a black mask or anything that I have. It's just quite colorful, really. My son got us some, and they're very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've noticed that there is now a dearth of mask designs out there with you know little breather holes and special shapes. And I, I like the one that you know, drapes all the way down to your chest. And that one definitely looks like a bandito mask. And uh, I went to get my hair cut the other day, and there was one of the the, um, uh, the guys who was cutting hair. 
He had this incredible mask that went up under his eyes nice and tight and draped down all the way down to his chest and came up over his ears. And it was like, that is quite the headdress. I I like that. I wonder where he got it. But so that got me looking online and I thought, oh my goodness, there's quite the... (laughs) I have a beagle. I actually have a beagle mask that matches my dog. And uh, the other day I ran into a lady that I know who had a mask that the bottom you know, the mask part that of her face yeah. actually had on the mask yeah. an image of what she would look like without the mask <laughs> So she looked remarkably like her old self with a few extra wrinkles in the lower part of her face. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was quite remarkable. So anyway, a lot of great ingenuity. Isn't it, though? Yeah. It's, it's it's fun to see that, yeah. that people take this uh, with a with a, a sense of humor mm-hmm. and such a, such a beautiful um, human reaction to something that's actually very difficult. And uh, I, each and every one of you do it. It just seems... Uh, you deserve a, a big thank you. Yeah, it shows people are being responsible, yeah. caring, yeah. and kind. And, yeah, you know. And uh, well, it's neat the way they find a, yeah. uh, a way to go ahead and do what we have to do with a sense of verb and sure. verb and, and enthusiasm and creativity that you just you know you just have to say, wow, the human condition is is really great. Good to see. So anyway, uh, uh, I uh, of course I drive to Waterbury uh, from from Montpelier um, on Saturdays on Route Two, and uh, there is a particular garden there that I just admire so much, and I've always wanted to get up the nerve to stop and and say hello and talk to him garden, you know. And sure enough, last week uh, on my way over, I noticed that they had a yard sale, and I said, "Oh, you know, this is my perfect excuse for to stop in and chit chat about their garden." So on the way back, I stopped in and I met uh, Linda and her husband, and I can't remember his name. It started with an L, but anyway, Anyway, uh, they had these uh, beds, and they said uh, they put in their beds some years ago and have never looked back. You know, permanent beds and, and pathways that they, they do, just like we've talked about for, for years now. And um, it's just a, it's just a, a, a great Great garden, really nice. And they were growing uh, sunflower seeds last year. They had one sunflower that was 17 feet tall. I mean, think about 17 feet. My trellis, my tallest trellis is eight foot tall, and it was twice the height of that. And I'm thinking, oh my good Lord, it would be as tall as my kitchen, you know. (laughs) Uh, Your mic's not on, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> On a normal year at the state fairs and, and whatnot, yeah. I, I see the 16 or 17 foot sometimes sunflower. Yeah. How, how do they do it? How do they do it? And yeah. I keep, and one guy said, I'll tell you, let me tell you the secret. And I don't know if this guy was BSing me or not, but he said he plants his sunflowers in kind of clumps. He'll, you know, yeah. you know, make an eight or nine mm-hmm. foot, uh, you know, described circle. Yeah. And put sunflowers all within that circle. Yeah. And the poor guys in the middle are competing with the ones on the outer oh. edge. So that's why the one in the middle will work harder to go oh. higher than the others. Oh. And so I said, you know, that makes intuitive sense. And I told somebody and I said, boy, he really pulled the wool over your eyes. <laughs> 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 he didn't really want to give you the secret. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I kind of think. Is it? Is could it possibly? 
be true. It's like the guy who said, "I'll put you know, put the pink flamingos on your, <laughs> you know, on your lawn. It, it, it'll keep the hippopotamuses away." Yeah, and right. I haven't seen one hippopotamus yet. So, is so it the, it's got to be true, right? <laughs> right. So anyway, I, they told me that the that their record, uh, Lake Champlain or the Champlain uh, Expo last yeah. year was uh, was eighteen oh, feet. Oh my lord! <laughs> and so, Madison County Field Days, uh, yeah, you know, which is earlier than mo- yeah. many of the others. I don't know, how how by that date do they get you know yeah, fourteen foot right, sunflower? Right. And well, it's usually like an eight year old kid standing there proudly with his blue ribbon. And I'm looking at my you know in my in front of my house my six foot six sunflower. foot yeah that's you about know, my yeah. Like, yeah people people would say oh that's a beautiful sunflower. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I want a puny little thing. I'm just back from the Addison Field days where, where the wedding one was twice as tall. Right right. Well <laughs> you know it's. Uh, there's, there must be some, some, uh, some, you know, words of wisdom to to just be happy with what you have for sure. But boy, I I was really pleased. But you remember how uh, last week we had the people call with the uh, the tomato hornworm, right? So uh, yeah, Lin- Linda says, uh, well, I have a tomato hornworm. As a matter of fact, I put them in a great big jar, and every day I pull off a leaf of tomatoes and I feed it to them. And I thought, well, that's something to do with a tomato hornworm that I ever, never, ever thought well, I, of. I never did either. I'm, as you know, I feed all the uh, the, the vermin critters. <laughs> you have I, a new I, one that I like. I've never, you know, I, I've reached a point. I'm, I'm not going to belabor this, but I've reached a point where I have a tiny hummingbird feeder mm. and I fill it up every day yeah because I and but at the end of the at the end of the day yeah I mean it's a, it's a tiny capacity I empty yeah. out what's left but I also rescue all the ants that are in it. I, <laughs> before I take it inside and wash it out with hot water I make sure that all the live ants are out of it I don't, I, my, my whole family thinks I'm totally nuts but I said you know as yeah, long yeah, as I yeah. let them loose outside they can stay outside that's right yeah. that's right at least they're well fed anyway right. they're not likely to come into the kitchen because they're so well fed well i thought that was an interesting twist and you know i i had uh I had been complaining about my my kids. You know, I had the one uh, my grandsons who who had the one uh, grasshopper, and and uh, you know she pointed out that I should have had two grasshoppers, and and she was absolutely right. You know, rather than have them fight over the one, I should have been wiser and <laughs> gotten two. So, uh, but uh, that was a, a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed just talking with them about uh, oh, terrific, and terrific. Stuff. I, I love doing that too. I'm looking yeah. forward to uh, someday just stopping at the uh, garden that's right <laughs> as you get down into Fair Haven, uh-huh. yeah, down from 22A. Uh-huh. On the left, going south, there's a, a garden that has, well, it looks like a normal, very good vegetable garden, but they must have 200 uh, uh, aluminum pie plates hanging on oh. everything which you know apparently scares everything away including the neighbors <laughs> but uh, i always wanted to talk to them. and i and i use the pie plate oh you do technique. oh okay well but, uh, but they just like with the 14 foot sunflower they've yeah. outdone me by at least 150 pie plates we do have a caller on the oh, line, okay so all right all right i will i will abdicate to abdicate my uh, role here in front of the microphone and say instead good morning oh, good afternoon your first name in town Waterbury Center. Hey, Rick. How are you today? <laughs> Pretty well. Uh, my red potatoes died back, and everything uh, seems to be normal. 
So I trimmed back the tops, the dead stuff. Sure. How long do you leave your potatoes oh, on the ground? Just a couple, couple of weeks. That's all they need. They don't really, I mean, theoretically, you can dig them up today and just let them cure. That's all. Um, they need a shaded spot where it's not too warm. Uh, it could be upstairs in a, you know, uh, a bedroom. It, obviously, that you have to keep them in the dark, no sunlight or anything like that. So if you're curing them, you know, outside, then just leave them underground for a couple of weeks and then bring them in. Um, I am, I'm an advocate, and and this is sort of heresy. Is uh, I'm an advocate of washing them off and and drying them. Uh, I don't like to store them with the dirt on them. Uh, and, you know, I did the same thing with my garlic, and I have good results, so that's what's important to me. Um, so you're, you can harvest them now as long as you keep them in the dark, and, or you can leave them in the, you know, in the ground for a couple of weeks. Okay, because what I usually do is uh-huh. harvest them, and then I put them in a shed on some yep. newspapers yep. with the dirt on them. Yep. I'll let them dry in good shape and yep. then take a very soft, soft brush. Uh, old paintbrush and mm-hmm. just brush off all the mm-hmm. dirt and yep. put them down cellar. And that is the standard right there. That is the thing that that uh, most people recommend. And, I, uh, you know, it works and it works well. So how long do you keep them in the cellar? How long, uh, long will they stay? Until they really start to sprout. It's it's a warm cellar. It's not a uh-huh. cold cellar. So uh-huh. unfortunately, yeah. we use up the potatoes before the winter is over. Oh yeah. Okay. So is that you mean like January? You 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 put them in the the cold cellar now, and and uh, they'll uh, they'll stay till till January. Will they stay that long? Um, the red potatoes usually will stay until probably December. Yep. The uh, Katahdins uh-huh. and the others. Oh, maybe another month longer after yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. That's that's sort of what what f- the same for me. The the thing that lasts longest, uh, oddly enough, is the uh, fingerlings. They seem to last longer than anything else, um, and so it's nice to have some of those. Um, did have you ever tried to store them any other way, like drying them or you know freezing them or or you know canning them, anything like that? Um, no, no, we like them, you know, fresh as they can be, yeah. and uh, yeah. it always seems to, you know, we just go with what we can. Yeah. But I, I thought that the potatoes were kind of going by faster this year than I remember in the years past. Uh, in other words, the tops were yeah. were dying back faster than I expected. Well, that that probably you're probably right, and I my my early uh, red potatoes. I've already dug some of them just to, just to see what was on there and there. Um, they're dying back pretty good now. Matter of fact, uh, I, with the grandsons, I told them this that later this afternoon we're going to g- dig some potatoes, mm-hmm. and uh, the the um, what you call uh, you know the the heat spell there that hot hot. Uh, Hot weather that we had, where it was five, six, maybe even seven days at ninety degrees. Uh, you know that hurries things along quite a bit and probably knocks them out a little faster than than usual. So you know, if if it's too wet, then you end up with a you know with a mold, and if it's too hot, then they die back. And you know, so somewhere in between, if you're lucky. 
this this uh, summer we had a really really hot spell um, just in their their prime growing season, and I think that's why they quit earlier. But the potatoes underneath seem very good. Have you dug up a few? Have you tried them? No, I haven't. Uh, yeah. I was about to probably in the next week or so. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you run outside there and reach in and grab one and see how they are and call me back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll get to that later today, so I won't hold up the phone lines any longer. <laughs> okay, Rick. Well, I'd. Uh, I'm curious, and I'm glad you called because. Uh, you know, it's it's that was the same thing that uh, that I noticed too was uh, that they were done already. So, mm-hmm. okay. Well, thanks, Peter. Okay, Rick. Thanks for the call. Much appreciated. Sure. Bye. Bye, bye. And that's uh, I have to tell you, just uh, the uh, my two grandsons uh, got to uh, uh, deciding they were going to go pick some carrots. They wanted to go up in the garden, and you know the thrill, the absolute thrill. Um, that they pull out this carrot that's probably oh, eight, nine, ten inches long and, you know, an inch and a half around. They pull that carrot out, and I was like, Grandma, look, you know, and they come down. Everybody washes, uh, washes them, and there they are nibbling away, and, of course, you get this nine-inch carrot that has about a half-inch nibbled <laughs> off of it, but that's okay. And but, my, I, my, I, I noticed a, a, a rabbit in my neighbor's backyard, mm-hmm. but not the, not the gray kind that you normally see not the bugs bunny rabbit this was like a black and white rabbit i was saying was this is this possibly a, a wild black. rabbit oh. but then my neighbor's daughter came running oh, where's louis where's oh, there's louis <laughs> louis the bunny i said boy louis would have a lot of fun with my carrots he was about twice the size of the uh, of the wild rabbit oh is that right yeah, yeah. anyway we do oh. have karen and hardwick oh karen how are you today oh pretty good oh, what's going yeah. on just wanted to tell you that I'm still using potatoes from last year's garden. Oh, how do you keep them so long? Well, as soon as the cellar starts to warm up, I put them in an old refrigerator. Oh, there. Now that's smart. About six or seven pounds to a brown paper bag. Uh-huh. And then if anything goes bad, you can see the stain on the paper. And you don't oh, have to sort through them. what a great idea. So you're kind of uh, little pods. You're sequestering them individually. <laughs> That's great. What and a great idea. And I still idea. have onions from last year. Oh, fantastic. I thought I was doing well that I still had my garlic from last year, but that's great. Well, nobody believes this, but as soon as they start to show a sprout, Uh I put them in a freezer. Really? I take them out and put them in a refrigerator, Uh and some of them don't make it. But Uh there's certain varieties, like Red Bull, Uh comes out perfect. Yeah. Okay, what was that name again? Like the Red Red what? Bull. Like the drink, Red Bull. Oh, oh, okay, Red Bull. Gotcha. Some of them are no good. They don't keep, but when you thaw them out, you just sort through them. Once in a while, there's there's a layer that's not good. That's fascinating. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, But I don't want to go buy onions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, um, so... Uh, my onions are are all falling over now. I'll be pulling them out soon. And uh, how about you? you uh, what about's going on with your onions? Well, they're still up, but uh-huh. they're not sizing up very good. It's been so yeah. dry. Been so dry, we, yeah. We just had two inches of rain. Yeah, but and the soil is not wet. The soil yeah. still 
still still wet yeah yeah that that's uh and that's true and and karen that's an excellent point one of the points i wanted to make today is that just because we had that big old rain don't miss this watering you need to do another watering at least by tuesday and at this time of year from august it's really twice a week you want to water so that uh, that good watering we had last tuesday uh, into wednesday um you know you need to get in there and water either you know either today or again on uh, tuesday so you it, you know there the the soil is still dry that's that's what i found too Okay, well, I wanted everybody to know that you can do it. I like that a lot. And um, it's interesting because um, I was talking to um, one of the nurses at, at uh, uh, the health center, and uh, he, uh, he said, gee, you know, I don't really have a basement. And I said, well, do you have a beer fridge in your, in your garage? And he said, yeah, I do. I said, store your stuff in there. That, that refrigerator is going to be 40 degrees, and, and that's about as good as you get. You know, you, you might be able to get, set it a little bit cooler on the setting, but, you know, pull everything else out and all that and store your stuff there. And uh, the last time I talked to him, he, he said that was working really good. So... Uh, I like the sort of the combination of storing them, you know, for for a while and then putting them in the fridge later. That's a great combination. Well, my spare fridge is out in the shed and it gets twenty mm-hmm. below out there, so I have to keep them in the cellar. Yeah, yep, yeah. That's too cold now. Um, I did read. Uh, I was reading about potatoes and you know the origin of potatoes in the Andes and all the rest, and and apparently. In the Andes, they stored them, you know, uh, outdoors, and they let them freeze. And then as they wanted them, they would go out and get the, you know, a a bowl of frozen potatoes and bring them inside and cook them. And that apparently if you freeze them and cook them right away, they they stay good. So that I found very interesting. It's one of the reasons I was curious if anybody ever freezes their potatoes. But uh, in uh, in Barbara Pleasant's book, The uh, Homegrown Pantry, she she has a couple of different ways that you can um, you you can can <laughs> uh, potatoes, and you also can dry them. Apparently, you can dry them, and if you dry them in slices, uh, they make um, uh, you know a, a real good um, um, you know a real good potato dish. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways to store those potatoes, but um, I, I I still sort of prefer just regular old whole potatoes. And Not, nothing better than that, you know. The, yeah. the, the, it, it, what heresy for me even to say the instant mashed potatoes <laughs> they make today actually taste pretty good if you're caught into a you know a bag. You have to open up a little bag of Idaho. Where's that potatoes. button? Where's that button? Know, where, where this know, is this but, no. But that <laughs> that being said, there's still I agree with you. Nothing better. No. You know that some fresh potatoes oh, boiled abs- or the baked potato. Yeah. I tell you, yeah. at the Eastern States Exposition, where yeah. where Maine takes uh, you know yeah. advantage of its reputation for potatoes. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd think, uh, you know, that the Rolling Stones were performing in the pavilion. The <laughs> line goes around, and it's all for the baked potato. No kidding. You know, with, uh, with with butter and, and sour cream. Sour cream, oh, yeah. And, and chives on the top. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to have to go do oh, that. They're unbelievable. I just hope there's another Big E someday. You know, they, <laughs> and just they, for they the keep, potatoes, right? The potatoes. Everybody's going to go through potato withdrawal. We have a genie in Williamstown for you. <laughs> hey, genie. How are you? Hi, Peter. This is Jeannie in Williamstown. Okay. I have a large 
uh, raspberry patch, yeah. which a year ago, spring, yeah. the top two feet died down. Oh. Now, this year, the whole cane of the ones that should be producing this year yeah. is gone. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a virus. You've got a, uh, does it turn actually black and sort of from the top down? No, they stay brown. Oh, they just they stay brown. Uh-huh. And this is on the new canes, the ones that should be green canes, right? The ones that should be producing this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the, the, there's no real good news here is that you're going to have to move your, 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 your raspberry patch. Um, and because the, that, that virus is in the ground and it's really tough to get rid of, you know, you're going to have mm-hmm. a hard time getting rid of it. Um, the, the easiest and shortest way is just to find a new spot fairly far away from there and, and, uh, start over with, uh, with new, with new raspberry, uh, plants. Ooh. Yeah, I'm There's sorry. Nothing that might salvage them well i mean you can try a fungicide and you know you're gonna have to spray uh of course clip out all the dead plants and all the fungus uh uh plants uh you be a good time to just clip everything right down to the ground and with your mower and then spray with a fungicide the copper uh the copper fungicide um okay uh, spray spray the plants in the ground and everything in that area and that's about your only hope because the that fungus is gonna is growing in the ground it's just gonna keep coming back okay okay i thank you very much oh another question yeah do you know what would cut off a sunflower that's about oh eight feet tall and all the roots around the bottom have been cut off and it just flops over uh, I would. They're sus- about three inches across at the bottom. Yeah, I I would suspect that's uh, got to be a woodchuck, or it could be a rabbit too. Um, really, it's yeah. not dug up around it at all. It's no. just that the roots are gone. Well, they must be tasty. That's all I can say is somebody somebody thinks that they could taste better than anything else in the garden. They've gone after them. So well, it be would there. be you know uh, uh, woodchuck possibly. Um, mm-hmm. Probably a chipmunk, but it also could be mice too, because okay. the, the the mice uh, really wreak havoc, and you know, for the root crops for sure. Um, and uh, then the voles as well, the vegetarian voles, they and can this do is that too. For sunflowers, uh, anything that tastes good, they'll will eat. Yeah, my my okay. guess is voles too, voles. because I grow sunflowers and I've seen voles, mm-hmm. and they they they're they're tunneling anyway, and they will eat anything tasty that they encounter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very uh, much. In your lawn, in your regular old lawn, right? Uh, do you mm-hmm. see any vole? Uh, you know, you'll see those yes. little tracks. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then, then, uh, yeah. Joel's probably right. It probably is the voles. Then. I thank you both very much. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate the call for sure. Happy growing. Yeah. Take care. Okay. Bye. <laughs>
Bye-bye. And they're cute little devils, those wolves, too. I mean, I don't know why I'm so into uh, rodentia these days, but I, I just admire these little guys, well, how industrious funny, they are. You know? It's funny you say that, because as I was driving in, right across the county road, there's a vole shoots across at yeah. a million miles an hour. Yeah, they can know. do that, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got Pete and Barry. He reminded me. So he's, I'm a frequent caller, so it's repeat <laughs> and Barry. Here, here he is. <laughs> well, Pete and repeat, how are you today? <laughs> I am pretty well, Pete. Uh, you know, uh, as I was listening to the, the last caller, yeah. you know, about pests, you know, yep. basically pests in the garden. Or, yeah. uh, uh, it, last week, was it, that I think you gave a, a, a person had a problem with a chipmunk? Yeah. And you said, well, you know, get yourself a rat trap. And, <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> so last Sunday, I went down a agway mm-hmm. and got up one of those big plastic ones that yep. you suggested yeah well so so uh then monday between the the foundation of our garage and yeah. our where our compost bin is mm-hmm. i saw this little no- i was coming out of the garage and i saw this little nose sticking out <laughs> and i said ha ha <laughs> you know i looked around and it was a weasel oh no Really? Yeah, that, well, so... so That's a surprise. Is, I'm reluctant to put the rat trap out now. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because I want to, you know, they're predators. Yep. And if it's... if and I, and I immediately went to the internet and said, yep, chipmunks are on their menu. Yes, so, so I... Maybe, I yeah, maybe I'm with you. I, I If I had a weasel... Uh, and and with the weasel, even if you put it put it in a box, you know, you put the trap yeah. inside a box, he'll he'll get in there for sure. That's right. That's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I I'm hoping now. Uh, but but uh, on the other I, hand, a weasel might not be a vegetarian. A weasel might be a meat eater, so he might not go for the peanut butter the way that the chipmunks would. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, I, you would have to research that, and I'm not I'm not familiar enough with weasels yeah, to know one way or the other. Well, as I immediately went on because I thought, well, maybe somebody's uh, what are they? Uh, uh, these uh, pet ferrets. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe a pet ferret got away from somebody because when I saw it, it it went maybe th- three feet and then looked back at me, <laughs> and I said, be- because they can be, a, they, they're they are full of energy and well, anyway. Yeah. So so uh, so then I came in and I looked it up and it's a brown short tailed uh, brown uh, uh, weasel. weasel. Anyway, yeah. But that's not what I called about. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, your uh, previous caller, yeah. uh, when I t- tuned in, must have been talking about storage of potatoes. That's correct. Yep. Well, I've got a storage question for you. I, our acorn squash. Yeah. Is is in? I mean, it's yeah, now. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's. I think it's early. Yeah, I think it is too. Yeah, but still. Uh, so so my question, my root cellar isn't as cool as it should be this time of year. That's right. Yeah. So so, can you make any suggestions on how I might store these? Well, my okay. wife is an advocate of washing all of her squash with uh, just a, a very mild um, uh, Clorox solution. Yeah. She brushes yeah. them up good and makes sure that they're washed. 
Um, squash don't necessarily need a lot of cold. They need uh, the the dry and cool, yeah. but but not necessarily cold. Yeah. And the dry is more important than even the cool. Uh, we store a lot of our uh, uh, um, squashes just upstairs in in a cool bedroom upstairs that's uh, not used. So uh, yeah. they do fine there. Um, oh. So, you know, you you really would be okay. Just so long – what really happens with them is that you get mold spots on the outside, and then that mm-hmm. usually is what spoils them. I see. Now, now I, I, somewhere along the line, mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, I was told that when you take them off, mm-hmm. leave a long stem on them for mm-hmm. For them to dry. Yeah, uh, the in theory, the the reason is that uh, if you snap that off, you've got a spot there that is most likely start to to mold because it's sort of fresh meat. Yeah. Whereas you keep that uh, the stem on, it's in a sense sealed, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and that's always made sense to me. Uh, yeah. If we lose a stem now and again, then we just try to make sure we use them first, just like any other ones that you might have have some skin damage or uh, mm-hmm. you know, something on there. Just focus on getting them first. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I that makes sense what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, in the stores, you you find their acorn squash. Seem to be have be waxed or something. Yep. Yeah. Does that make any? Well, um, sh- you could try it. I've never tried it myself, um, but I would I would try to find try something to find that it. was a like a spray wax. I, I've never actually researched <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, lemon scented. <laughs> Just think of that <laughs> while you were peeling away, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll pass on that. Idea. Yeah, well, we Thank so often, particularly with the acorn, we cut them up and and we actually steam them with the with the skin on. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, so I, I wouldn't want the <laughs> lemon pledge on there. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you very much for the answer. Sure thing, Pete. Uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks for the yeah, call. Much bet. appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> okay. i got to make sure I got my notes right. The lemon pledge. Yeah. Lemon pledge write the salad. lemon pledge yeah, right. down there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, it says here that keeping squash in a temperature of 50 to 55 degrees is the optimum range for most squashes. So um, I guess, gee, that's uh, there you go. You don't have to have really, really cold uh, ones. And uh, um, let's see, good old, uh, good old advice there is just uh, not to worry. But the talk, of course, you have to uh, harden off the the rind a little bit, and that's just a uh, just a matter of letting them. When you cut them off, uh, you know, with the with the, the shears, right? Cut off the stem, um, leaving an inch or two or so the stem. Uh, let them dry out in a, in a place where it's nice and warm. You know, it's that'll harden off. Then after that, you know, we have a spot. We have a basket uh, where we keep our potatoes and a basket where we keep our onions and a basket for the squashes. So, um, and that's right in the in the mud uh, entryway, and it's not terrible hot there, or, and certainly not not freezing, but. 
Uh, sounds like it works well. Huh? Yeah, it works. We do have a caller, and uh, it's uh, we got a couple. But uh, first was John in Hyde Park. Hey, John, how are you? How are things in Hyde Park? Well, pretty good, except for the things that are going wrong. <laughs> well, well what would last that speak about my squash? And you told me to. Uh... Oh yeah, what'd you find out about that? Well, I found out that I was way too late to do anything. Uh, uh, I cut the stem, and then I just found dozens of those grubs in uh, there. Yeah, that's an ugly sight, isn't it? Yeah. And so I'm questioning about next year. You uh-huh. said about planting a different place, but I mean, yeah. yeah, I got a pretty big garden, but I think they'd find it wherever I put it. Yeah, sure. That's a possibility because... Uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'll just skip a year with that. Well, that, not a bad idea, really. Not a bad idea at all. Uh, you know, uh what I noticed is uh, one of my garden friends nearby, um, they actually went to the other side of the house, laid down black plastic uh, in the early uh, early spring, just after the snow melts, and they planted their squashes right through the black plastic and so they could sit on the black plastic. They had that kind of problem, and so they just, like I said, went to another the other side of the house. The other thing that you can try, and um, I have a fair amount of luck with it, is to is to grow them up on trellises. It has to be a fairly sturdy trellis to hold the squash. Um, uh, so you could you could try that, and then the other thing to try, of course, is a is a real um, thick uh, uh, straw mulch, so that they grow up off the ground. And uh, they're less likely. It's a little harder for the squash books to find them and stuff. So, those are those are some of the things that uh, that help. Um, what kind of squash are you growing? Uh, red curry. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, you know, try a different variety too. Um, you know, whether the butternut or even try a, a Hubbard squash. I mean the. Those Hubbard squash will last, uh, you know, six months. They're they're a really great storage uh, squash. Probably not as as delicious as the red curry, but uh, they're they're still very good. And my favorite, of course, is butternut squash. So when I when I grow my butternut squash and it's just started, where you know they're starting to really put on you know a lot of huge leaves. They grow down in over the top of my. Um, my creeping time, and uh, they grow down over the top of the uh, uh, the rhubarb plants, and uh, uh, so far I haven't had a problems with the with that squ- that squash bug. So squash Does beetle. Does that attack other things like similar like cucumbers or summer squash or? Uh, it uh, no, uh, not that I've seen. I yeah. haven't seen that. I don't have time. any problem with that, but yeah. I wondered if I planted something like that in the same place next year if I would. Yeah. Well, yeah, go for it and but just make sure you put maybe a ground cloth or a heavy layer of mulch of straw or, you know, something like that just to kind of protect from from that. So, anyway, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear the bad news. Uh, well, most of it's doing pretty good, but I have one other issue which yep. may not be in your category and that's colas. <laughs> Uh, say again, the what? Gladiolas. Oh, yeah, okay. And I planted a lot of them, I don't know, probably 70 bulbs or something. And oh. Every year I dig them up. Oh, you're good. And I put them in the garage a few days and mm-hmm. put them away. But I don't treat them. Yeah. And they've worked good for me for years. But this year, yeah. 
uh, my flowers are starting to bloom, and then they just dry right up. Huh. Well, it could be just as simple as the same problem we had before was just uh, the the incredible heat that we had for a very long time. That's uh, that's pretty unusual in Vermont to have uh, a week or more of ninety degree days. Um, you know, it's it's kind of hard for on a lot of plants, not just. Uh, not just your vegetable plants, but the flowers as well. I noticed that even my marigolds were having a hard time keeping up with that heat. We've been watering practically every day, but, um, you know, and my wife deadhead some, and my wife and the grandsons together deadhead them. And, but uh, that's a possibility. It could just be the regular old uh, heat that's bothering them. Okay, well, that's all I had for today, Peter. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, John, thanks for the call. We'll talk to you later. Good luck with your glads. They're so beautiful. That's just such a beautiful flower. I love gladiolus. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, Nola on the line. Hey, Nola. <laughs> Greetings from Ripton. Yes. Missed you guys for the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah for one sure. One week, I was at Dartmouth-Hitchcock getting more needles in my eye. Uh-oh. An extremely painful experience, which Holy Christmas. I still don't know why they're doing it. Huh. You don't know why they are doing it? They keep saying it's to help from the effects of radiation on your brain back in 1995. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not making me a happy kid. I guess not. Jeez. It's taken pain to a new level. I yeah. mean, it's over. It's done now for yeah. this time, but they called this week. We're calling to place a new appointment for you to see <laughs> the doctor. And I said, not yet. <laughs> or go away. Uh... Um, so, I... I am happy that gardening has taken off so crazily this summer. And just before I called, you guys, the phone rang. Mm-hmm. It was a woman, a very nice lady, that came up here a few years ago to hike to the beaver pond with us. I don't know her well. I just know she's a good person. Nola, I just can't find any plants. I want broccoli for the fall. I want kale for the fall. Mm. There's nothing. I said, I'll, get, I'll provide you with some. Mm. So the bug is out there. The gardening bug is taking over people. Yeah, isn't I that think great? That's very yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Very wonderful. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because in the lead-in to the show, it says, you know, people have realized gardening more than ever is really important. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I, I should, I should sort of explore that thought a little bit. But there you are. You've brought it up for me. It, it just, I mean, if running out of seeds at the local garden store, wow. That's mm. a lot of seed salt, you know, <laughs> and it makes me happy. So one little story and a Robert Frost poem if you want it, and the story doesn't have to do necessarily with garden, <laughs> but it does have to do with plants. Okay. And so back in 1985, one of my sisters gave me a seed as a Christmas gift, mm-hmm. one seed. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't know, but give it a try. So I planted it, and it came up, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And when my husband and I got married in 1989, mm-hmm. the plant, which was then about five feet tall with bark on it, came with us to Vermont, and it's moved from Goshen, Vermont, to Ripton, Vermont, and it grew so tall that it was up to our ceiling and bending over on its back to continue growing. Anyway, about a month ago, I cut it back because it looked crummy. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I moved the plant, and lo and behold, all the floor underneath it was rotten from all the watering I had done and all the water that had seeped 
through. I said, you're out of here. You're going outside. The cut black plant has four new branches <laughs> and all these new leaves on it. I wish I'll take a picture and send it to you folks. Okay. It, 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 it's been the plant where you hung, hang wet socks. That's his name. <laughs> but he's come back from what I thought was dead to being alive and looking very, very healthy and strong. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah. The grasshoppers in the greenhouse, they haven't completely so long farewelled, mm-hmm. but the numbers are down. Wow. Wow. And for so, that, I, I am very grateful. What they have done, though, is they have signed a contract with Marvin the Mole <laughs> and his family. Oh, Go yeah. and eat this stuff, okay? we got to <laughs> leave now. So now we've got Marvin in the greenhouse. Well, uh, um, the uh, I may have mentioned it before, but Elliot Coleman had problems with uh, vo- moles, voles in his greenhouse, and mm-hmm. he used um, a, a box that was sort of like a little, just a very short maze, and at the end of it, he had a trap that was loaded with uh, uh, strawberry chewing gum, strawberry flavored chewing gum. He found that was the thing that in, that enticed them the most. So you might try that strawberry for yourself. Strawberry chewing gum in Ripton? I don't know. <laughs> we'll I'm sure. To... I'm sure you can find it. <laughs> All right, and this won't. Will, will they get stuck just chewing and chewing? And well, yeah, there you die. go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, what is here's, Robert? Here's your Frost? frost. It's short and it's sweet, and it once again not much to do with gardens, but perhaps it has to do with the world we live in. The human condition, for sure. For sure. Some say the world will end in fire. Others say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I'd hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate. To say that for destruction, ice is also great mm. and would suffice. Mm. Mm. Let's not go there. Yeah. Let's grow garden. <laughs> Let's grow garden. I'm with you. Or, or go to fire and ice. That's a good <laughs> yeah, nice place down okay, near where I, you I, are. I have to shut up. I have to let other people call. But, you know, I went there 20 years ago to sell vegetables. No, we're only buying from corporate industries. It's much easier. Oh. We didn't have a single Robert Frost poem on any of their walls. Now, mind you, the place has been sold. They have new owners. So I think we should send a scouting team down there to make sure that they are honoring the man whose poetry yes, is, part of their, uh, is part of ab- their ab- business. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, you guys do that. Okay, well, I'll take the assignment. And once they, once with the uh, governor lets us belly back up to the bar. <laughs> Yeah, that's a Addison County uh, traditional place. Yeah, it has changed ownership. The Fire and Ice? Fire and Ice place, yeah, down there right by the river. Oh, okay. Okie dokie, where are we? Okay, that's... um let us take our second break. Yes. Let us point out that the lines are still open, but Peter has plenty on his plate, in his computer, on his notepad. <laughs> I think it's it's almost time for another book, Peter. You think? Yeah. Yeah. A lot lot happening. So, Joe, we're harvesting cukes and zooks, garden peas. The the sweet peas are gone now, the the sugar snaps. We have uh, chard and kale. Potatoes were started to harvest and the carrots I mentioned before with uh, beets. Uh, We have lots of uh, flat pole beans, you know, the Roman style, really wonderful and uh, basil is ready to go. We'll be making pesto soon. There's some lettuces left. Not not most of it's bolted. Of course, the blueberries were still 
uh, harvesting onions and garlic. Both are ready to harvest. Um, and we have the cauliflowers. Uh, a couple of them had a disease on them, but the rest of them are okay. The trombone zucchini, you know, those ones, I like those, those, yeah. those big long ones, those are great. Bush beans are are starting, just starting to come up, and we'll be doing our jelly beans with that. Parsley is is like a bush. Uh, fennel, celery, cherry, tomatoes, and you know, uh, even some uh, regular p- tomatoes. Um, and the the squash are have decided to climb up the 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 tomato vines the tomato trellises so i've got to go in and do a little work on those yeah i use uh, i the for the uh, both the determinate and the indeterminate yep. tomatoes mm-hmm. I, I use tomato cages simply because i have dozens mm. and dozens of mm-hmm. them yeah. always i was lucky mm-hmm. a couple of times where people had, had a bunch of them out front with free signs on them <laughs> so i got got I'm interesting though how the uh, the ones that would normally crawl along the ground yep. kind of wrap themselves around the Mm-hmm. The cage and go, and go as high as the cage will be. Some of yep. them are like about four or five feet tall. Oh, sure. They'll, they'll climb up even higher. Yeah. I want to ask you, what do you do with your fennel? See, just use the seeds as a spice, or uh, well, there's two kinds of fennel. The one that I uh, that grew this time is a it's a uh, it's sort of a brownish color, and mm-hmm. it's really just meant for a, uh, an herb like a like basil. We use it as an herb in a salad. Uh huh. I so love the taste of it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, it seems to grow really well. The other kind is that it has the bulb. Yes, and yeah. that also is a great salad, but it's also good cook too in a stir yeah. fry. It's very okay, delicious. I have to investigate. That'll be my experiment for twenty twenty one. Okay, well we'll we'll uh, yeah. we'll work together on that one. Yeah. I think that would be a lot of fun. So we have. Uh, oh, just to remind everybody, uh, we had that big rain last week. Uh, it's it's time if you haven't already to go ahead and spray for the uh, the cabbage uh, uh, cabbage worm. Mm-hmm. And so you want to spray all of your your uh, cabbage coal family, cabbage family plants, and uh, pretty much uh, everything else. Uh, you don't need necessarily spray the tomatoes or anything. Um, and uh, it's this is a good time to go ahead and water when you water put uh, put some fish emulsion in your in your bucket of water, and that would be. I think it's about four tablespoons uh, for a five-gallon bucket uh, to give everything a nice boost uh, right about now so they finish off. And, uh, well, I guess that's about it. I think we're those are, those are the last things that I can think of that we need to do. Um, of course, you know, it's, it's a good time to start planting your fall things like your beets and your carrots, and mm-hmm. we did last week. and. And uh, should put in a second round of uh, lettuces and even some spinaches if you can find some heat tolerant spinaches still. And mm-hmm. it what Lunola was saying is true is a lot of places are sold out of their um, sold out of their seeds. Uh, yeah, I can't find the Wando peas anywhere. Oh, you know they 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 seem to be sold out. And they're the good hot weather yeah. second planting peas. Yep. Although I I do have some from like 2014. So <laughs> might as well use them. I'm going to use them. Yeah, sure. even if they get like yeah. 40 percent germination, yeah. I'll eat the 40 yeah, percent. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 They say peas in the fall are not as good, and I I say, well, not as good is good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. They're, oh, they're, they're fine. They're fine. Also, I'm hoping my second planting of purple beans comes up. Oh, good. In spite of Louis the Bunny and all his <laughs> other relatives. <laughs> You know what's cool is the purple beans have a purple flower. Yeah, they do. I, I, you notice that, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're real, real nice, yeah. But the uh, And the yellow ones, uh, well, the regular uh, beans have a white flower, yeah. 
And uh, I haven't noticed where the yellow ones have a yellow flower. The, mm. the interesting thing, the interesting thing is uh, that the uh, my 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 family likes the white eggplant, which I had mm-hmm. to search around to find. Yeah, but they like the purple beans and the purple cabbage and everything else. I think we got one more phone call. We'll, uh, oh, okay, we'll, great. We'll make we'll make this sure. the, the final of the day, and let's see if I can do this right again. You're, oh, nope. There you go. Did I lose you? I guess I well. It will, we'll give you 30 seconds to try again. Otherwise, we'll say uh, adios. I do. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... Well, uh, here we go. First name in town, please. Yeah, it's Evan from Montpelier. Hey, how's it going? Good. What are you up to? Well, um, I've got lots of things to talk about. Uh, but I want to first confirm, this is the laugh along with Peter and Joel. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> I guess it must be well, at I, point. I, I, yes, and and you can never mind the lemon pledge. We, we went way far off the map on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even smoking those six mature no. plants we're allowed to have. No. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Oh, uh, just I, I just wanted to be sure you're going to get your bonus time today after all the technical difficulties last week. <laughs> <laughs> Jolly old folk we are for sure. There you go. <laughs> What's going on in in Montpelier? Well, I had a couple of quick questions. I could drag it out. It's pretty much the same as everywhere else. I've got the woodchucks and the chipmunks. Oh, yeah. Yep. The earwigs. Oh, I yeah. I'm thinking are, are maybe more of your problem than slugs. Yeah. And bonite makes a good uh, bug and slug killer thing, as well as the one that you refer to. But The sluggo, yeah. What's the name of the bonite one? I, is it just a bonite slug stuff or... I've got one right here that I can quickly look at. Yeah, it's bug and slug killer. Bug and slug, okay, yeah. Uh, the right. sluggo was the one that I've used for years, so I, right. I haven't changed. But, yeah, I'll have to try that. I haven't right. have an earwig problem, fortunately. It's, I think it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. just I bought it because, I don't know if I got more ounces for my buck or what it was. But, <laughs> and, it, and I've had this. I, I, I tend to use it when, uh, let's say, I'm, germinating carrots I want to be sure they don't get eaten down Mm -hmm. I used to do that with uh, cucumbers too but now I just start my cucumbers in four inch pots and when they're big I do them so the 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 earwigs are devastating oh yeah and they'll uh, surprisingly how how easily they'll just decimate uh, the squash and and cucumber plants right that's true it's not much fun I don't like them Mm. (laughs) um Without my tales of uh, woodchucks and chipmunks, which is, I've never had a chipmunk problem before. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have like one chipmunk. I talk to him. I say, get out of the garden. And he leaves yeah. me alone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All of a sudden, like a dozen showed up yeah. and totally wiped out my broccoli oh. and my oh. lettuce. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then they let the lettuce alone and it, re- it regrew. Yeah. And that was like a month later. And I was thinking, oh, we're going to have still we have plenty of lettuce. And they came back again, <laughs> and they come in. And when I have, I still don't have. I see like one maybe every three or four days, and I know there's a lot of them out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When they, well, they they generally run in in uh, you know about fifty in a in a little community, uh, and. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard earlier. I was talking about uh, the folks on on Route Two where I visited their garden. They had quite a few chipmunks this year too. And he he said that he had trapped. I think he said as many as thirty 
so far. And so, yeah, that there, there's definitely a lot of chipmunks right now. Yeah, there are. And, and uh, the, so maybe we'll see more weasels and fox, right? Well, I'd heard, you know, I guess I had hope because I've got neighbors with like four cats and <laughs> and the neighbor over the hill has, has seen a fox and mm-hmm. he's got four cats and I'm so I'm thinking oh these guys are going down you know the, the numbers like the not soon enough neighbor, the next door neighbor's kids bury them and have little services and I <laughs> keep meaning to ask them would they just put a, a count on a board so I can see how many we've gotten rid of but anyway um, on to other things and I'm want to get to um if you've had any stunning uh new treatments for early blight but before you answer that question i of course had to hear about the tomato hornworm last week which yeah. i see like once every five years yeah. and all of a sudden i i saw these like bare twigs on the top of my six foot tomato plants <laughs> and uh I'm going, geez, are the chipmunks climbing to the top just to show me they're still around or what? <laughs> I've seen them do it. Said, you know, oh, oh, you know, it's probably the, the tomato earworm. And then probably. I kept looking. Yeah. And I found these little ones. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. About two inches long with, with like yeah. a whole casing of eggs on them or something. I don't know what it is. I, I kind of wrapped up a bunch of them. Like, well, the casings, were the eggs white on top of them? Yes. Yeah, so that's actually a wasp that lays its uh, lays its eggs in the back of the, and the those little larvae just come out and they look like little casings of eggs and, and they're actually making that tomato hornworm really sick and they'll, they'll die. So the little tomato hornworms that I'm finding... Yep. Uh, which is what I assume they are with the mm-hmm. white eggs. Mm-hmm. Is the tomato little bitty tomato hornworms with a white wasp eggs on it? That's right. Yeah. And if I yeah. was smart, I would have just left them be, but I pulled them all off anyway. So. Well, uh, you know, that's what I was saying about Linda. She actually uh, made it a science experiment and put them in a jar with tomatoes so they could eat and watch, see what happened. You know, see what that little wasp that does it looks like. And so it makes the, the young tomato hornworm sick, and they yep. wither away and die. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Then, then I finally found a big, you know, four or five inch one. <laughs> but I, and, I, and I keep looking. I, but I haven't seen more damage. So the Godzilla, right? He's the one who didn't get the wasp treatment. Well, I thought that was just the mother, you know, <laughs> because why? Why did? It, why were all these little ones around, and then there's a big one? So like, more likely. Yeah, have great offspring that way. Or yeah, well, probably the, those were that was just a cousin or a brother that didn't get uh, infected. That's all. Late late bloomers. Okay, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> or the little ones were the late bloomers. I guess. Yeah, right. They were. And they, I don't know. Somebody said last week about the uh, hummingbird moth being the offender of laying that, but I don't think so. It's it's, it's, big, it's got a different. Moth is is very different than the hummingbird moth, as mm-hmm. far as I can mm-hmm. see. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's uh, there's great pictures of of what they look like when they're in their moth stage, and they're just a big, big old brown moth. they're, yeah, they're, they're not they're quite as three big or four as four inches across. Right? Very yeah, big. like a luna moth in a way. If you've ever seen those, but a luna moth is no, more no, green. Luna moth's a pretty moth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are these are wide and they're short. They're yeah. not like yeah big right. and round and lovely with the tails like a luna moth. Right, yeah. I, I did a lot of that as a kid. My older brother and his friend had professors at UMass and Amherst College 
who would who would help them learn about what was out there to be caught. And we ran around with butterfly nets all summer long. And then we got moths to hatch that they give us the larvae and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. made boxes and, and hatched some of the, like the giant cecropias and the other cool moths. <laughs> But anyway, I know I'm going to get, if, if, if I get another five minutes out of here, Joel's going to start getting itchy. So, <laughs> oh, so let's, can we talk a little bit about uh, early blight? And I'll just yeah. add a, a note. I actually finally called Ed Smith because he had a theory yeah. his last year yeah. before you took over about hitting with serenade on a periodic basis and that it yeah. would encapsulate and yeah. I asked him if that worked, and he said, um, "No." <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the the early blight, what you're calling early blight, is when the bottom leaves of the tomato start to turn yellow and spotted, right? Yeah, that's and, what you're. And it and it keeps moving up, and I always uh-huh. I'm, I'm able to survive because it happens very late in the year. And so I get most of my tomatoes, but I'm, I keep losing foliage. You know. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I my thesis on tomatoes is as soon as you see the first set of flowers, cut all the branches up to that point. When you see the second set, cut all the branches up to that point, and you keep going up the plant until you know you know until it's done uh, up eight feet or so, and you'll have a. a a nice green stalk with uh, green tomatoes, and uh, you know a little uh, carrot top of uh, of green leaves at the very top, and they look a bit stark. But the fact is, is that it's hard to tell whether it's really early blight or the tomato actually cuts off the um, cuts off makes a callus on those lower branches because they don't need them anymore. So the the bottom leaves are not necessary for the health of the plant or for the you know the sending energy to the tomatoes. It's just those top leaves that it that, that the plant uses. So I and you know any kind of blight depends on there being sort of moisture. So as long as you get an air through your tomatoes, you're going to have less blight for sure. Most of the blights come from, you know, like your fusarian wilt and those kinds of things come from the ground. So most people say put a, some sort of a, a straw mulch, even a straw mulch, something as simple as that, down on um, on your uh, the soil right underneath the tomatoes. And it'll keep that the dirt from splashing up and, and infecting those lower branches. But um, I find that... I'm usually out there cutting them off before even that happens. So for the before most before the splash, before right. the splash, yeah. I heard you saying that, and and I think it's an an interesting concept because I didn't. I normally mulch my garden, but I think we got an early snow in November. And we I'm did. I remember yeah. why, and, and so yeah. I ended up. And I usually do it with leaves. I get my leaves and I mulch them all up, and I put them in a cage next to the garden and mm-hmm. start covering it. But I didn't cover anything. Yeah. So I got a lot of like. Uh, volunteer tomato, I mean, lettuce <laughs> plants, and some tomato. But and I tomato, yeah. Yep. But the lettuce ones were good. It was like two square feet of t- lettuce. It could, couldn't be better, right? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's, it's sort of like the, the volunteer uh, <laughs> the volunteer uh, dill that we get every year. I like that. Yeah, well, if you mulch, you don't necessarily get it unless mm-hmm. you get the mulch off early. So mm-hmm. that, I'm not going to, if I ever get new lettuce seeds, which I don't know that I will, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll put out lettuce seeds in a packet and then just let them (laughs) pop up before I get the energy to start planting. 
<laughs> well, um, you know, the fact is, is just like the spinach uh, that I recommend you plant in October, you can plant lettuce seeds in October, radish seeds in October, and uh, they'll come up first thing in the spring and okay. with uh, volunteers, just like the volunteers that you're, well, that's you're what talking I'm thinking, about. But I probably don't want to mulch them because if I forget, then I'll, they'll suffocate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's probably too. The other thing you that I have done is I put one of my little hoop houses right over that particular spot. And, oh, that's clever. You know, and so and then in the beginning of April when there's still snow on the ground, it's warm enough and they come right up uh, up in there and you get those nice early radishes, which are great. And, of course, the early spinach, the, nothing could be better than that. But um, the spinach does not require any kind of protection. You just put that right on the ground and, and plant as many beds as you can because... You know, by the end of April, it's all ready to pull, and and uh, you can cut it and freeze it, and that's great. That's the most productive uh, spinach harvest you'll get. Wow. Um, getting back on the early blight, I actually started following your direction and took the uh-huh. the, the lower branches off, which sure. I thought, if nothing else, that's good because there's not close enough to the ground when it starts splashing. <laughs> So I haven't. I normally see early blight by now, and I really haven't. Yeah. I have seen a little black bug that seems to be not doing much harm, and it's really tiny, like the size of a pinhead. Oh yeah, yeah. And and it's and it's it's like a couple of leaves, and I all of a sudden kept looking, so I'd see three or four or five of them, and uh-huh. just kind of make these little pinholes in some of the leaves. Yeah, that's a flea beetle. And generally, a flea beetle, uh, yeah, flea beetle uh, flea infest. are hard to even get your fingers on, right? I yeah. Could think, I could reach out and smush these little things. Well, uh, you know, if you if you time it right, you can get a flea beetle without any any doubt. Certainly, they sound like flea beetles. I can't I can't say for absolute oh, certain, really, but really, they really they tiny. they put little little tiny drill holes in in the leaves. For the most part, they aren't. They don't do any real damage to the plant at all, They're, and they'll they'll die out after a while. Okay, I didn't know if there was a spray that. Yeah, you can use a spinosad or or um, uh, I'm not sure the BT would work on those, but I think you'd need to use a spinosad or a neem oil, one or the other. But none of the stuff like the copper fungicide that would be necessary. Not for those, yeah. No, that's better for the late blight. So far, no reports of late blight that we've heard, uh, but it is the season, and, and it could could come on us uh, any time now. So make sure you have your sprayer ready. And, and uh, Yeah, no, I've had great, you know, and Ed Smith, them never believed me, but as soon as I'd see it, I'd do a double dose of the copper fungicide. Yeah. Right. And I might lose a handful of tomatoes, but everything else kept growing right along fine, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, again, his thing was, well, once you see, you've got a day, and then it's toast. Yeah. Well, I've seen if both. you catch it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen both. Uh, the cherry tomatoes seem to have a resistance better than regular tomatoes. So, you know, if you catch it early. The other thing, of course, is if, you, if you've trimmed your tomatoes, you know, there's a lot less for, for the blight to actually land on and, and make, you know, make a disease on, you know. So uh, that's one of the good things, other good things about trimming your tomatoes. Yeah, well, that's why I think your theory has a lot of merit. Um, <laughs> The problem is, is I, I did, I, I got up, you know, so I'm a foot, foot and a half off the ground, but then some shoots would come out, and the, and they they just take off, so they're up, 
you know, four or five feet up, and then I go, geez, if I start taking those down, I'm going to lose all the fruit that's, you know, four feet up hanging, even well, though it's a stem coming out from two feet off the ground. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I, I'm a little bit, I, I don't hesitate. I'll, I'll take those right out. The suckers, I take them right out. I try to keep my, I have a four-foot trellis, and I keep my cherry tomatoes to no more than six stems. And uh, then my regular tomatoes uh, to four stems, and I'll cut out all the all the you know the suckers out. Do, do you have like thirty or forty tomato plants? I have, uh, yeah, uh, probably about thirty or forty. Yep. You see, the, I, I can't afford to do that. <laughs> I've got nine, which I always think is overkill, and my neighbors get a lot of tomatoes from me come yeah. late late August and September. Sure. But yeah. So if I didn't let all that stuff grow, and then if the blight comes along, I've got a, a long vine of tomatoes. It takes it a long while to get to the top okay. where the last fruit remains. So, And then I bring all the green ones in and put them in a paper bag, and I'm still, I'm still eating them until, you know, the end of November or yeah. even into December. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I also eat carrots from my garden. Uh, the last one I had this year was in June. No kidding! You left them in. The, you left them I, I in just, the ground. No, no, I don't. Oh, leave them oh, in the ground. Oh, oh. I, I, I know I've done that, but I think they lose some sweetness. Some people say they're they're sweeter. sweeter. I, they're sweeter if they have a frost on them, but then after that, you want to take them out. Right. So that's what I would do, and then and what I do is I just put them in um, plastic bags and uh-huh. just put them in the hydrator in my refrigerator. Oh. Yeah. The ones I had this year so late was because I forgot. <laughs> they got buried under other things, and, and I said, "Geez, look at this!" Because the big, uh, the big ones I save for the last, and they last longer. It's a wonderful thing about carrots; they're very forgiving, and they they do they really store well. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and and uh, and it wasn't as tasty as it would have been in October, but it was still pretty neat. Anyway, I'm sure Joel would like to get on, and I. I uh... <laughs> Joel, like uh, like all of us, we we all enjoy the the garden chatter. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's very tolerant of us going over, so which I appreciate immensely. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> well, yes, and exactly. Evan, good to talk to you, and thanks for all your thoughts. All right. Well, thank you for all your help, and, um, Joel. I look forward to your afternoon show. Yeah, me well, too. Well, thank you kindly. You know, I, I just have to not do it with a mouthful of those uh, little orange tomatoes. Which I have hundreds at this point. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Well, you're a master at that spinning the disc. So yeah, that's great. for sure. Thank you. <laughs> thank you again, Peter. Yeah, any time. All right, Joel. I guess I guess we are done and done and done now. Yeah, and the as the NASCAR announcers say, we're in the overtime lap again. Here we go. Well, that's fine. That's fine. So um, we will say uh, so long and catch you next week yeah, in the garden. In we the will. garden. Yeah, yes. well, we will be. No, no Red Sox <laughs> conflict next week. Here we go. Well, that's not right. <laughs> Couple of bird brains, is that what you're saying? I don't know what I just did, but at any rate. <laughs> I recognize that. Okay. Anyway, uh, let me just, um, uh, we lost our jingle, believe it or not. So what I will do. What do you I want will, me to sing? No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, inch by uh, inch. You, you, you grow, I could probably, wait a second, I could probably find that. Hold on for a second. Okay. This, happens, this happens to me every now and and then uh, and if i accidentally if i push the button uh for all you need is a rake yeah. yeah let me just see if i can find this 
If I, if I, it's you know, it's 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 computer. Hurry up, man! It's it's it's, it's computer uh, business here. You know, if I hit it and I miss, yeah. then I hit it again. But then sometimes if I hit it twice, that's the cue to uh, erase the thing. So, oh. so later I have to later I have to go find it. So what we'll do is we'll uh, dig it up from another source. Here we go. <laughs> Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Yeah, the garden song, written by the way by uh, David Mallet. Back in 1975, had the great privilege of hearing him uh, or seeing him and perform this song live just a couple of years ago. This version by John Denver, and of course, our theme, In the Garden, brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield, Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport, by Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you. And they have their Mega Monday coupons back. And boy, they are good. Check them online at Clausen's.com, right there on Main Street in Colchester. Buy your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road, where I get my Flyer's Choice seed for the birdies outside. Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Great place, Route 15 in Walcott. And by the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Someone bless these seeds I saw.